the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, senior pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. I've chosen a rather interesting uh, topic for today, the agony and the ecstasy. And you have to, you know, bear with me and follow me to be able to appreciate um, the title of this message. One of the most distinguishing features of biblical Christianity is its philosophy of suffering. Some religions deny the reality of pain and suffering altogether, calling it an illusion. Others attribute suffering to the fact that God is finite and therefore unable to eliminate pain and suffering. There is also a view held by some health and wealth preachers that suffering is never God's will and is simply the result of weak faith. Jesus and his apostles, however, took a very balanced approach towards suffering. They acknowledged its existence, they attributed it to its proper source, they warned of its inevitability, and they also offered hope to the sufferer. Suffering is part and parcel of the Christian life. All of us suffer, though in different ways and in different degrees. Some suffer physically, which at times can be excruciating, especially when it stresses, stretches over a long period of time. But physical suffering is not the worst kind because there are medications that relieve pain and if ever the pain becomes unbearable, our bodies are built so that we lose consciousness. Mental suffering is not easily treated by medication. Some of you have been through deep mental anguish, perhaps due to the loss of a spouse, the loss of a close relationship, the loss of a job for no good reason, separation or divorce from a spouse, the delinquency of a child, or the suffering and death of aged parents. I don't know what you're suffering from today, but I am sure that most of you are suffering either physically or emotionally, and if not now, 
you will in time. So how do we respond to suffering? We pray and ask God to remove the suffering instead of asking God to use the suffering to accomplish his purposes in our lives. Today we're looking at what the Apostle Paul has to say about suffering in Romans chapter 8, one of the great passages uh, of the Word of God. And if you are not familiar with it, read it from beginning to end, and you will see the blessing that you receive just from reading Romans chapter 8. In verse 16 and 17, Paul says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, we all love the idea of being called children of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. But we don't necessarily like the idea that being co-heirs with Christ requires sharing his sufferings as well as the glory that is his. Agony and ecstasy, suffering and glory, hurts and hallelujahs belong together. You will find them together in almost every passage of scripture that deals with the suffering of the Christian. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17 links them directly. He says, these little troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all our troubles seem like nothing. The NIV, the New International Version, from which um, Dr. Boxel read, said, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So our sufferings as believers in Christ, physical, emotional, or whatever they may be, are linked or directly linked with the glory that is coming to all of us who believe in Jesus Christ. The important thing we need to understand is that both the sufferings and the glory are privileges given to us. Nothing will help us more to endure suffering than a clear view of the glory linked to it. In Romans 8 and verse 18, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, that statement would be just so much hot air had it not come from a man like the Apostle Paul, who has been anointed and appointed uh, to be an apostle and to be the writer of this book of Romans. Here is a man who suffered intensely. None of us has gone through even a fraction of the suffering that Paul endured. He was beaten, stoned, left for dead, chained, imprisoned, shipwrecked, starved, 
often hungry and naked and cold. He had a severe physical affliction, which he described as a thorn in the flesh and asked God three times to remove it from him so that he could be better able to do the ministry that God has called him to. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Yet Paul could say, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Our sufferings hurt. Paul is not trying to make light of them or to diminish the terrible physical and emotional pain that suffering can bring. It can be awful, almost unbearable at times. Its intensity can increase to such a degree that we actually scream with terror and pain. And sometimes we think we can no longer endure. But Paul is saying that the intensity of the suffering we experience is not even a drop in the bucket compared to the intensity of the glory that will be ours. That if we suffer with Christ, we are going to be glorified with him. In verses 19 through 27, Paul tells us that creation, the believer's experience, and the Holy Spirit testify to the glory that will be ours. And so I want to um, look at these very briefly. First, Paul is saying that the creation groans for liberation. As Paul thinks about the sufferings of believers, he saw a close relationship with the physical world. The created world is personified as eagerly awaiting the day when the children of God will be displayed in all of their glory. And so Paul says in uh, verses 19 through 22, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The whole creation or the entire universe has been affected by man's sin. God determined that it would not be fitting for sinful man to live in a perfect world. And so he subjected the entire creation to the corrupting effects of the fall of Adam. It wasn't creation's fault. The trees and the mountains and the animals didn't choose this, but they were nevertheless affected by man's sin. It was man's sin that made the animals hate and fear each other. With the fall of man came the spreading of fear, hostility, and hatred in the animal world. The whole of nature testifies to this fact. The evidences of nature's frustration can be seen in the floods, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the volcanoes, the droughts, winter storms, and earthquakes. The phrase bondage to decay in verse 21 
in the NIV translation is an accurate description of what scientists call the second law of thermodynamics. All this means is that everything is decaying. Everything without exception is running down. Though for a while something may seem to grow, eventually it dies. Every human life dies, and so does all that is with it. All this is because of the sin of Adam. But in the midst of its groaning, creation is eagerly awaiting the new heavens and the new earth, which Christ will establish when he returns. Then, according to Isaiah chapter 35, 1 and 2, the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. Peace will exist in the animal world. As Isaiah tells us in Isaiah chapter 11, 6 through 9, he says, The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's the tyranny of change and death will be gone forever. The Lord will have heard the groaning of his creation and will grant liberation at last. But then the second thing that Paul mentions is the believer's groan for resurrection. Not only does creation groan for liberation, but Paul says ourselves groan for resurrection. Romans 8.23 And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. See, Paul is saying that though we ourselves are redeemed in spirit, our bodies are not yet redeemed. Therefore, we too are groaning. Our lives consist of groans. We groan because of the ravages that sin make in our lives and in the lives of those we love. We groan when we see gifted young people wasting their lives on crime and drugs. We groan when we see our youth dropping out of school due to short-sightedness and thus limiting their future. We groan when we see or experience injustice in our court system and defenseless people being shot to death on our streets. We groan when we see how racism and racial profiling have led to inhumane treatment of minorities. We groan when we see children and teachers being shot to death in their classrooms. We groan in our spirits. We groan in disappointment. We groan in sorrow. We groan in our pain and 
our inability to change our situation. Life on this planet consists of a great deal of groaning. But Paul immediately adds that this groaning is a groaning in hope. So in verses 24 and 25, he says, We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to the something we don't have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Sometimes we feel totally disgusted and even overwhelmed by all the horrible things happening in our society. And, and uh, there are times when you don't even want to watch the news. You don't want to hear what is going on. Because more often than not, it's bad news that are reported, not the good news. But what is even more difficult to deal with is the pain and suffering we or our loved ones experience day after day. This, however, is an important aspect of our lives on this planet. Suffering for the Christian is a part of um, God's plan for us. As Christ our Lord suffered and is now glorified, so will we if we are to share in his glory. Therefore, what is happening to us now is something that we never need to see as meaningless. We are now in what we could call the waiting period that Paul speaks about in verse 23 when he says, We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. And what makes it possible for us to wait patiently is that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, in our mortal bodies. And the Holy Spirit is able to give us joy in the midst of heartache. He's able to make us feel peace even when there is turmoil all around us. This is what Paul calls the first fruits of the Spirit. That is the power of God to make a heart calm and restful and peaceful in the midst of turbulent, trying, and difficult circumstances. Because we have these first fruits, a foretaste of what, it, what is to come, we can wait patiently for the hour when at last our bodies will be set free and we will step into an incomparable glory. No one in all the wildest dreams of science fiction has ever imagined or conceived of something so vast and so magnificent as the glory God has waiting for us, his children. But thirdly, the Apostle Paul says, the Holy Spirit groans in intercession. Verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. It's a nature groans for liberation. Believers groan for resurrection, and the Spirit groans in intercession for us. 
Paul says we do not know what to pray for. There are many occasions when we do know how to pray and what to pray for, but there are times when we don't know what to pray for. We know something is wrong, but do not know how to analyze it or to explain it or how to ask God to do something about it. And it is at such time that the Holy Spirit within us voices without words his request to the Father on our behalf. All of us know how difficult it is to pray when our bodies are racked with pain or when our minds are numb with grief. I recall one of our members some years ago sharing with our Bible study group her experience in the hospital. She said when the doctor told her that her heart was only 20% functioning, she was so scared that she tried to pray, but the words would not come out. She said what scared her most was that she could not pray. I happened to call her in the hospital, and when she explained what was happening to her, I assured her that the Holy Spirit was praying for her. And it was such an encouragement to her. So when our inability to pray hinders us from articulating specific requests, the Holy Spirit comes to our assistance. He presents our prayer needs before the throne of God, and God hears and answers. Paul says in verse 27, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So God knows the hearts of his children. There are ideas in our hearts, there are aspirations, there are groanings. There are sighs the world knows nothing about, but God knows them. We do not always need words to express our needs before God who knows our hearts. So when we are in deep trouble and cannot find words to express our feelings, except in wordless groanings, God knows exactly what is happening. The faintest whisper in the heart of a believer is known to God. Even if it should be so faint a sigh that we are not even aware of it ourselves, God hears it. So Paul is saying that when we find ourselves unable to pray, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, takes up our burdens, and acts as an advocate for us before the Father. See, God, in his love and wisdom, has provided for our every need as we await the redemption of our bodies. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment to remind us that our future is secure. Thus, when life becomes difficult and we feel we can no longer cope and despair threatens our existence, we can look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For Jesus is the fountain of our joy, the source of our comfort, the strength of our days, the solution to our problems, the author of our salvation, the wisdom of our decisions, the healer of our bodies, and the cause of our hope. Thus we can say in the words of Joseph Scriven, What a friend we have in Jesus. 
all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.